have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. We're talking about Wisdom Wednesdays. There's so much in the book of uh, Proverbs. I believe we're going to be going over it throughout the year. Uh, so we'll just pick a few verses tonight and see what the Lord has. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 8 is where we're going to be tonight. Give you just a minute to get there. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 8. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the, wisdom, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of the justice and preserves the way of his saints. Pastor Brandon, would you pray over the sermon tonight? Amen. Thank you. Can you turn me up just a little bit? I can't hear very well. I can move it up just a hair. Thank you. Uh, we live in an age of information. I don't know about you guys, but years ago I always had a commentary book sitting next to me, or I'd have to go look in the back of my Bible. Or have a, now I have Google. I just have my phone and I Google whatever I want. It's the age of information. We can look up things as quick as we can think about it. You know, we look up somebody and we have them on Wikipedia or we can look up Google and it'll search whatever we're trying to look for. We live in an age of information where there's lots of knowledge, but there's not always lots of wisdom. We have that instant information at our fingertips, but we don't always find wisdom in that. We just find knowledge of what different people say. Now, don't get me wrong, there's wisdom in in the world that's not wrong necessarily, but we always need to filter it if it's something uh, that the Bible needs to be filter, filtering everything that we find. So we're going to talk about wisdom tonight, and the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom. James 1 and 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. So to find knowledge, for studying knowledge, we have to study. But when we want wisdom, we need to not only study, but we need to pray. The Bible says that if we lack wisdom, to ask. So he wants us to ask him to give wisdom to us, and he said that he will. And it goes on to say, if we believe, if we have faith in asking him, but we are to ask. So we must not only study for knowledge and wisdom of the word, but we must pray and ask for discernment. 
and wisdom. Now, there are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the Word of God, and there's the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 3 and 19 says, The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Faith in God requires interpreting, as I said a moment ago, filtering everything through his word. Worldly wisdom that contradicts godly wisdom will always lead us to severe consequences. When we go directly and away from the word of God and we know it says one thing and we choose to do something else, there's going to be a consequence. What's the scripture that says, you know, God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We have to be careful that we do not go contrary to the word's wisdom and go to the world's wisdom. The Bible does not condemn all forms of modern wisdom, but it certainly warns us not to believe all forms of wisdom just because it's modern and it's new. The Bible was written through God's Spirit. Now I want you to listen to this. This is something I want you to take home and think about. The Bible was written through God's Spirit. Therefore, if we want to live in the Spirit, we must live by His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that God's Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the written word of God. And so if we want to live in the Spirit, you hear people talking all the time, I want to walk in the Spirit, I want to live in the Spirit, then we've got to live by the word of God. This is the wisdom that we've got to walk by as his word. God's hidden treasure is what we're talking about tonight. The hidden treasure of the wisdom of his word. And we need to... If we're going to look at the wisdom, there are conditions for acquiring wisdom. Conditions. You're just not automatically going to find godly wisdom without first being receptive. Now, the, the text that we just read says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so we are to receive that, that if underlines the element of choice. He gives us a will. If you will do this, if you will be receptive to my word, then you will receive wisdom. Conditions for acquiring wisdom, being receptive. In Habakkuk, now I'm going to give you scriptures all over. We're not going to go to all of them. Uh, if you want to just write them down and look at them later, but we're going to pull out quite a few scriptures. Habakkuk 2 and 1 says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the outlook tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. And the Lord answered me to write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so that one may easily read it. He talks about first standing at his guard post. Now we're talking about being receptive. We're we're not getting away from that, but I'm bringing this out. In Habakkuk, it says to stand at your guard post. You must be looking to receive. He's not just sitting, casual, observing, but he is receptive. He is standing at his guard post. So we must be looking to receive. We've got to be observant. We won't receive if we don't see with spiritual eyes. We've got to be observant to his word. It doesn't say sit, but it says stand. Standing takes more effort than sitting. Asking for wisdom takes effort, and so does standing. 
So we're not just going to acquire it, but the Lord said in James, if you lack wisdom, ask, ask. So we've got to make an effort to receive. We've got to look. We've got to be observant. We need to stand at our guard post instead of just sitting and just waiting for it to come. We've got to be receptive. Active listening. Now, in uh, my husband and I have done marriage counseling, and there's one thing that we do is called active Listening, I believe is what it is. It's mirroring what the other person is saying. So you have a couple sitting and the husband says one thing to the wife and the wife has to mirror it back and vice versa so that they know they're actively receiving what that other person is saying. So I don't misunderstand what he meant. Boy, that's a lot of arguments is when there's misunderstandings. Well, you said, no, I didn't. I said this. So that helps to have that active listening. In the same way with the Lord, when we are actively, actively listening, we are paying attention. We're standing at our post. We're listening to what they're saying. It takes effort to hear and receive God's voice. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional. We've got to purposefully sit at his feet, get in his word, and listen to what he is speaking to us, the wisdom. We've got to be receptive. And, you know, we talk about devotional time, and sometimes, and I I know it's hard uh, to get that quiet time or that time away from the Lord, with the Lord, uh, because of the busyness of our day. We've got work, we've got children, we've got, you know, all of these activities going. It's hard to get it early in the morning because we've got activities. It's hard in the evening and the, our day is full. It's just hard to find that time. But I'll tell you, if you do find that, it's so worth it because we will sit at his feet and we can hear him. We're being receptive. You know, there's a, a woman by the name of Susanna Wesley. And I don't know if you all are familiar with John Wesley and Charles Wesley, but she's the mother of 19 children back in the 1700s. You know, a little bit of church history for you. But she had 19 children, I can't imagine. <laughs> and she was the mother of uh, Charles Wesley. He wrote, I was looking today, I think it's like over 1,900 of our hymns. He wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, so I love that because I love Christmas. So, But he wrote many of our um, hymns, and Charles Wesley what is the founder of the Methodist denomination. So she was a very methodical mother and, and uh, didn't just let the children play, but she was very methodical with them and very busy. So you think, how in the world could this mother of 19 children ever find time to be receptive to the Lord, to be in her devotional time? You wouldn't have time for nothing. But history tells us that every afternoon, <laughs> she would go in her rocking chair, would take her apron and throw it over her head. And the children knew that when mom was in her rocking chair with the apron over her head, they weren't to bother her. She was having her devotional time. So she found a way. I don't know if that would be, you know, something you mothers might want to do. (laughs) But I thought it was interesting that she made a way somehow to get away with the Lord. Now, she was still there with the children, but she was away and listening to God. So it's important that we take that time to be receptive to the Lord so that we might acquire wisdom. I think it's important, too, that we write down what the Lord is saying to us. There's a saying that says the shortest pencil is longer than most people's memory. Sometimes when the Lord has given us wisdom, 
he's speaking something to us, we want to write it down. Always want to write it down because maybe tomorrow we might, what, what was that? We might get bits and pieces of it, but we may forget. So write it down. The shortest or the longest pencil is shortest than most people's memory. So we've got to be receptive to acquire wisdom. Number two, we also need to be responsive. Let's look back at verse 2 and 3 again. It says, so that, we'll go back to verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Intimacy with the Lord happens not by chance, but by choice. Just like Susanna Wesley made a choice to get away with God in the midst of her very busy world, we make the choice to find intimacy, that closeness to the Lord. We make that happen because we choose to find that. What's important to us, we will somehow make time for. If it's important enough, we will make time for it. You know, there was a story of an old farm couple, and you may have heard this, but I thought it was, it's very uh, fitting for this, an old farm couple who were driving in their pickup. When the wife said, you know, we never sit all snuggled up in the truck like we used to, he said, well, I never move. In the same way, God never moves, but yet we move. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. But we move away from him and we say, well, I just don't feel close to the Lord anymore. I just don't have that, that close relationship that I once had from him. But who moved? We moved. And we can move back. He is there waiting for us. We make the choice to be close to the Lord. He is waiting. He has not moved. So we look at these verses looking at incline. It says, incline your ear to wisdom. That means to lean or bend, tilt. You ever, when you're listening to your children, they want your full attention. They want you to look at them in the eye. And we lean down and bend and tilt so that we can hear them, maybe because of the noise or their whispering. We, we want to be inclining our ear. In the same way, we need to pay close attention. We need to incline or bend our ear to the Lord. That means getting close to him being close to him, applying. So inclining our ear and applying your heart to understanding. Applying means to pay attention, pay attention. We sometimes, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes out of habit, out of just used to doing things, I'll go to work because I'm used to driving to work every day. And I think, where am I going? I, I was going to go to Walmart this way, and I'm going that way because I'm so used to it. It's a habit. It's just a habit, and we, we, we recite the Apostles' Creed, you know, which is wonderful because it, it helps us to know what we believe, and it gets it in our heart, and that's so important to know what we believe, but sometimes we just recite it because it's from memory, and we, stop, we don't stop and think about what we're saying, what we're really saying when we recite the Apostles' Creed or when we sing a worship song, and we just sing it out of memory, but we've got to be... Uh, applying that. We've got to be paying attention and leaning and bending and tilting our ear, hearing, responding to what 
the wisdom of God is saying to us, whether it be through his word, whether it be through a song, we've got to be responsive. And when we're responsive, we will react. The Bible is not just a textbook that we study, but it's a life book that we should live. So we don't just study. You know, the scripture says, don't be a, a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. So when we find the wisdom of God, we're not only going to be receptive and hear, but we're going to be responsive and do. We're going to be responsive and do. So the Bible is not just a textbook to study, but rather a life book to live. Biblical wisdom focuses on practical living in obedience to God's revealed word. Biblical wisdom focuses on practical living in obedience to God's revealed word. So when God shows us something in his word, we are to be obedient to it. It is wisdom that we can use in our everyday life, and we can ask him and he will give us wisdom, but we have to be obedient to what he is speaking to us. We must be responsive. In Proverbs, the fool is not the man who is mentally deficient but rather it is the man who is morally deficient. He ignores God's commands and lives according to human wisdom, but the wise man lives in obedience to God. So receptive, responsive, and resolute, meaning purposeful and determined. Look at verse 4. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And I read through five, didn't I? I meant to just read four. So I want you to look at this pattern in this proverb, though. If you look at verse one, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding... Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. And then verse 5 says, and then. And we will get to the then in a minute, but I just want you to, to see that. This is the, the ifs and thens of finding wisdom. There is things that we must do, and then we will find it. So we are to be purposeful and determined if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. And we have the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13 that says if we seek and search for God with all of our hearts, we will find him. Not with partial, just making a half, you know, just sitting, just nonchalantly, you know, Look at a scripture and good for the day and, you know. But purposefully, with all of our heart, determined to seek and search and find God. When we find his wisdom, we find him because his word is the wisdom we're searching for and the word of God is what will draw us close to him. But Jeremiah 29, 13 says that we will search and seek for him with all of our hearts, we will find him. You look at the... The words that are used in this proverb, it says, cry out, lift up your voice, seek, search. They all indicate desire expressing itself in devotion. 
They're not just whispering. They're crying out for it. They're lifting up their voice, seeking and searching. They're desiring to find wisdom. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, cry out for discernment. Lift up your voice. What we passionately desire, we will passionately pursue. If we don't, if you will not pursue what you don't desire. If you don't really care whether you, you know, study or not, if you don't really care whether you can find God's wisdom or not, you're not going to find it because you're not going to pursue something that you don't desire. But when we passionately desire something, we will passionately pursue it. If it's important to you to draw close to God, and he said, if you will draw, if you'll seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. So if we do that, we know that we will draw close to him. But if it's not important enough to us, if we don't passionately long and desire for his presence, then we just won't go there because we're not pursuing it. So what we passionately desire, we will passionately pursue. It makes me think of the parable of the sower. And I know Pastor used this example some as well. But in Mark 4, if you would turn over there, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. But I just want to talk about it for just a minute. There's four soils. Now the Lord is telling a parable Many of you are familiar with this parable, but he's telling a parable about the seed being sown into different types of soil. The seed representing the word, the soils represent our heart. And it talks about stony ground, and it talks about uh, different kinds of grounds. But the one I want to look at, the soil that I want to show you, is in verse 18. Let's look, chapter 4, verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I'm going to read that again. Verse 19, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That just really stuck with me this week about how that my desire for other things above my desire for the things of God creep in and just like thorns choke out the word. Because I'm not making it my passionate desire to pursue the word. I'm making it my desire to pursue other things above what I should be desiring his word. That doesn't mean that we never should desire anything else, but it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added. So don't allow desires for other things, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, meaning your love for money, the desire for other things to enter in and choke the word out. And it says if it does that, it becomes unfruitful. So even though if you have read the word, if, it, if you're allowing other things to come in and, and clutter your mind and, and make you pursue other things above God, then it's choking it out. It is not being fruitful in your life. Sometimes our hearts can be easily distracted from what is most important 
by what is pervasive. What is pervasive in our heart? What is our heart's desire mostly? It should be for him. For many of us, the stuff that we own soon owns us. And it chokes out our heart's openness to God. It's okay to own things as long as things don't own us. Perhaps the richest and most generous portion of Scripture describing a godly man's delight in the Word. Now, you guys know I, I know I get on this a lot about hungering and thirsting for the Word because it's my passion. Love the Word of God. But chapter 19 of the book of Psalms, I think it has 174 verses, I believe, 176 verses. But it is a, a chapter that I would encourage you to look at and read and meditate. It's talking about the psalmist's love for the word of God. It's got generous and, and um, just a, a large amount describing that his delighting in the Lord. And they all represent his love for divine truth. 1 Peter 2 1 through 3 talks about his newborn baby's desire, the pure milk of the word, that you may grow. For it's, it's God's desire for us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay as babes, but he said just as babies desire milk, we should have that kind of desire for the word. Pray for a passion for the scripture. Pray for a passion for his word, that he would reveal his wisdom to us and he will do it. It's his desire that we grow and not stay where we're at, but grow in him in the knowledge and the wisdom of his word. Being able to discern right from wrong shows spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5 and 14. When we know that we're growing in God, when we can discern right from wrong. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. This is Charles Spurgeon that said this. Almost right. It's not quite right, but it sounds right. How will we know if it's right according to the scripture? If we read what God has said and we desire, as a baby desires milk, that we would desire the word. So we've got to be resolute in our quest, in our conditions for acquiring wisdom to be receptive responsive and resolute, purposeful and determined. And then the consequences of acquiring wisdom is a constructive fear. Look at verse 5. Proverbs 2, verse 5. Remember we were looking at the if you do this and if you do this, if you seek her as silver, if you cry out for discernment. Verse 5 says, for the Lord... I'm sorry, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth came knowledge and understanding. Fear is translated reverence and is found 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Isaiah recognized the holiness of God. I don't know if any of you were brought up in church. I was thinking about all these old songs. Of course, I, I sing, so every time I even read scripture, or I immediately think of a, a song that goes to a song, you know. But we used to sing a song in the church growing up, singing, I see the Lord, he is high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. 
in Isaiah 5, when Isaiah comes in and, and he sees the Lord and he realizes how unholy and how unrighteous and how sinful that he is, even the angels are covering their eyes. And, and he says, what does he say? Woe is me. He recognizes the holiness of God. He had a constructive reverential fear of God. He had a, a you know, a constructive, not a destructive uh, fear of the Lord. He said, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He realized that when he seen the Lord that he was unworthy, that he was sinful, and he realized the sinfulness of not only his generation, but especially of himself. But you know what, the moment that he confessed that, the moment that he realized the holiness of God and had a constructive fear, the moment that he confessed himself to be lost and undone, he was cleansed and he was commissioned. You can read that in Isaiah chapter 6. He was cleansed and commissioned when he had that constructive fear of the Almighty God. He had fear. So it says, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. A constructive fear. In Isaiah 47, it speaks of the pride of Babylon. Now Babylon has symbolized the enemy of God throughout Scripture. Jerusalem is the people of God, and Babylon symbolized the enemy of God. But in Isaiah chapter 47 and verse 10, it says that you felt secure in your wickedness, talking to Babylon, and you said that no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge has deluded you, and you have said in your heart, I am, and there is none, no one besides me. Sounds pretty prideful, doesn't it? Who else says I am? Does that sound familiar? Trying to be like the Lord. I am and there's no other besides me. No one sees me. And the scripture says your wisdom and your knowledge has deceived you, has deluded you. For you have said in your heart, I am and there is none beside me. We live in a self-consumed society. It's all about me. It's all about self. We look for comfort instead of conviction. We're no longer convicted over things. We just say, you know, well, if you're offended, that's just your problem. And, I, and it's not sin to me. We get into this relativism of there's no right and there's no wrong. It's just all relative. There's no conviction anymore. We just want comfort. We want to rationalize rather than repent. Rationalize rather than repent. I was reading something, and I won't get too much off on this, but I, I know I, I preached this a while back about being careful of false doctrine. And there's a doctrine out there that says, oh, you don't need to repent. Yes, you do. We need to have a repentive heart before the Lord. He will, he will forgive you, but we need to come to him with the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon our heart and repent before him, and he will restore us. Don't get a prideful attitude like Babylon and think that I'm good, nobody sees me, I'm okay, I feel comfortable in my wickedness, I don't need to repent. You know, I am and there is no one else besides me. That pride is what took Satan down. Don't be caught with a prideful attitude, but have a constructive fear of God. And when we do that, as Isaiah did, then he will commission us but not until we bow before his holiness. 
Don't look for that comfort instead of conviction. Don't try to rationalize rather than repent, but let us be upon our face before God with a constructive fear. That is the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil, for it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your knowledge and, and your way of thinking. Make sure that what the scripture says is the wisdom that you fall upon. So the consequences of acquiring wisdom is a constructive fear. And then in verse, uh, the last part of verse 5 through 8 is a considerable find. Let's read that again. Verse 5 says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. The Lord is the origin of wisdom. True knowledge and understanding do not come from the mouths of politicians. Why do we know that? Philosophers or scientists. But wisdom and knowledge doesn't come from the psychics. Who they promise to tell you your future and all this going to happen. That's not where you're going to find wisdom and knowledge. Many people over time have made quotable statements, and I even used one tonight, and have observations about life and nature and other things. But those who are wise receive that wisdom from the Lord. We just read it right here. It says, you will find knowledge of God for the Lord gives Wisdom. He is the one who is the origin of wisdom. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. Great thinkers have contributed to religious thought, but true wisdom cannot be found in worldly ideologies. Reminds me of in the book of Acts, chapter 17, there were some people from Athens who were highly educated. They were philosophers, and they spent all of their time, the scripture tells us, in nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. They were out with the old thinking, and they were in with the new and modern. They were very religious, but they were not righteous. They were looking for something to tickle their ears. You remember in Timothy, when he talks about there will come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine but they're looking for something that will be pleasing to their ears. Our methods change over the years. We don't do the same thing as we did back 50 years ago, hopefully, in the same methods, but our message never changes. Our message never changes. And so we always want to um, make sure that we stay with the same message. We may have to modernize and customize because our times change, but our message never changes. 2 Timothy 3 and 7 says, They were always learning, but never able, come, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We can have a lot of knowledge, just like I said in the beginning, but if we want true wisdom, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. He is our teacher. He is one that will remind us what the Scripture says, what Jesus said, and we have to get into the Word of God. Proverbs 21 and 30 says, There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel that is against the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say this before, but I have, saying that they had peace over this situation 
in which they chose to make decisions that were contrary to the Bible. It clearly contradicted the word of God, but they said, oh, you know, I prayed about it. I've got peace. <laughs> That's a false peace. That is false peace because let me tell you, the spirit of God will never contradict the word of God. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. So if you've got peace over making a sinful decision, I would say that's not the Spirit of God. That's another spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit who would contradict God's Word. It's false peace. So not only is the Lord the origin of wisdom, but He is the object of wisdom. He stores up sound wisdom, the Scripture says to us in verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom wisdom for the upright. The expression sound wisdom come, comes from a Hebrew word which refers to stability. Only those who find God's wisdom have stability in life. If you don't stand upon the wisdom that he gives you, you're here and there, tossed to and fro, but yet when we have his wisdom, we can have stability, sound wisdom. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Now this is, Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount, and he is speaking, I'll let you get there, verse 24. He is speaking about foundations. Verse 24, chapter 7 of Matthew says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them, remember we're not only a hearer of the word, but a doer. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was its fall. There were two builders here. One built his house on the sand, the philosophers and the opinions and the theories of people. But when the storms of life came, he quickly realized that the wisdom of this world would quickly crumble. But the wise man built his house upon the rock, upon the wisdom of the word of God. And the wise men built his life on the sayings of him who says, I am the truth. I am the way, the life, I am the truth. So he built his foundation, his life, upon the sayings of the one who says, I am the truth. When we build our lives on the wisdom of the word, we will find stability. We will find sound wisdom. For his word is sound wisdom that will cause you to stand firm and unwavering. No matter what comes, we have a sure foundation. We have stability in him. We can know that he is truth. So we will have a solid foundation. Thirdly, he's the outcome of wisdom. So not only the object and the origin, but the outcome of wisdom. The Lord preserved young David 
from danger. If you remember King David, when he was a shepherd boy and he fought Goliath, ever after that, during those years after Goliath had been killed, David was pursued by relentless jealousy and malice of the king, of King Saul. But a God-ordained friendship came from Jonathan, Saul's son, and that was used to help protect King David. David went out wherever Saul sent him. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel 18 and 5 that he behaved wisely. He was asking for godly wisdom, and he behaved wisely. As a result, Saul made David a commander over the men of war. Twice the Lord saved David from Saul's attempt to murder him. And again we read that David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways. David behaved more wisely, it says, than all of the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. He sought God's wisdom, and God protected him. It was a shield to him. Back to our text, it says that he is a shield to those who walk up rightly. He stores sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk up rightly. He is the outcome of wisdom, as he will be a shield for us just like he was for King David. And lastly, number three, he's a conquering faith. A conquering faith. So not only is, not only is it receptive and responsive and resolute, but it's a conquering faith that we can find in him. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Last scripture I'll have you turn to tonight. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, if you don't have it, it'll be hopefully up there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Check, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Now this is Timothy. I love the books of Timothy. The apostle Paul took him as his spiritual son and he is teaching him. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Holy Scriptures are what are able to make us wise. Romans 10 and 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In order to have a conquering faith, we have to hear the Word of God, and when we hear the Word of God, it will make us wise. How are we made wise? By the Scriptures. How do we increase our faith? By hearing the Word of God of God. So in conclusion tonight, we see that God reveals his wisdom by his spirit, through his word. That wisdom has to do uh, with knowing how to apply biblical truth to particular situations in life. What does he tell us to do? To ask, to pray about it. Lord, I don't know what to do. In those times, many times, I have quoted the scripture back then. Lord, you said... <laughs> 
You said that if I would ask that you would hear me. You said if I would call unto you, you would answer me. You said, Lord, if it is your will that you hear what I say and it will, you will answer me. So we ask him when we don't know what to do. If we're not spending consistent time learning the Word of God, we will not have the wisdom that we need when trials hit. Don't wait. Now, a lot of us wait till we get into a desperate situation. And there's nothing wrong with crying out to God when we're in that desperate situation. But we should be prepared before time. We should have it hidden in our hearts so when the enemy comes in to fight us with a temptation, we can say, but the scripture says that no temptation has taken me, but is common unto man. And God said that he was faithful and that he would not put more on me than what I can handle, but he would make a way of escape. I've hidden that in my heart so I know when that temptation comes, I can't say, well, the devil made me do it. No. God has a way of escape. What you need to do is ask him for wisdom. Where's that way of escape? Help me to see what, how I can get out of this, how, you, how you're going to lead me out of this. What is that way of escape? I need wisdom, Lord. And you said in James, if I would ask you, you would give it. So I'm asking, will you show me? We've got to hide it in our heart before the disaster hits, before those times hit, so that when it comes, we have it hidden in our hearts. For the time to seek his wisdom to seek wisdom from God is before the calamity hits. Wisdom is discovered and enjoyed only by those who are diligent. Remember, he, she, he said to seek it as silver and search for it as hidden gold. So those who are seeking diligently, devoted, and determined in discovering wisdom in God's word. And when we discover it, we can't only be a hearer of the word, but we've got to be obedient to it. We've got to be that doer of the word. And when we read the scriptures, let us always take inventory of, Lord, how can this help me? What, what part of this speaks to me tonight? Are there places maybe in your life and in my life that we struggle to live out God's truth? I know we all at some time struggle with this. Are we more likely to listen to the culture's opinion of what worldly wisdom says instead of seeking godly wisdom? Are we going to be like the one that says, well, I've prayed about it, I have peace, when it clearly contradicts the word of God? Or are we going to follow the word's wisdom? I would encourage you tonight not to give up or become discouraged, but tonight we can make a fresh start. If you want, we can pray with you and agree with you tonight. With a situation, maybe you need the Lord to bring direction for you in. Or maybe you just desire to grow deeper in your walk with God. Immerse yourself in the scripture. Pray for that passion, that you may passionately pursue what you desire. Desire God's word. Immerse yourself in the scripture. Read them, apply them, pray them. Believe God at his word, and he will renew your mind. He is a promise keeper. A lot of people make promises and don't keep them, but we can know that when God makes a promise, he will keep it. He will renew your mind. He will give you direction. He will do a great work in your circumstances. Don't give up. Don't let discouragement bring you to a place of wanting to just quit, but say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need to know what to do. And as we continually do that, he will not cast us out. He will not ignore us. He will hear us. He said, come unto me. All of you that are weary, tired, heavy laden, I will give you rest as we continually open our heart, inclining our ear, listening, 
asking the Lord for understanding, there is no doubt that he will renew your mind. And then lastly, Ephesians 5 and 15 says, Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Don't be wise in your own eyes and say, well, I, you know, I'm wise because I know all this stuff. No, wisdom doesn't come from worldly ideologies, but wisdom comes from his word. Wisdom comes from knowing what the origin of wisdom says, and that is our Lord and Savior. Get into his word and see what he says about wisdom. Um, Proverbs is full of, you know, I think of, we do this Twitter thing now, tweets and all these little uh, nuggets of thoughts that people have. But this is like God's Twitter. He's given you nuggets here and there of his, his wisdom. So take this, and it, you know, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. That's one for every day of the month, if you wanted to look at that. But just continue. I would encourage you, continue in the Proverbs. Continue to seek his wisdom, not only in the book of Proverbs, but all throughout Scripture. Open your heart and your ears to his voice, and he will speak to you. Amen.